You're listening to the Photographer's Story Podcast. I'm your host, Hark Najjar, and joining me is international photography business coach, Bernie Griffiths, as my co-host. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of uh, Photographer's Stories. Uh, today, we're joined by Sterling from uh, Sterling Portraits. Welcome, uh, Sterling. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Thank you, Hark and Bernie. It's a pleasure to be here. Bernie, Thanks, how are uh, you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Hark. How are you? We're, you're still going through this pandemic as well. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, as well, that's same, still. Same story. Same story. Hasn't Nothing, changed. <laughs> same, same, same pandemic, different strain, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, Sterling, welcome and thank you for your time today. We know you're a very busy man and we know you're the king of portraiture. Uh, I have just uh, knighted you in that way. We'll call you Sir Sterling Hoffman, if that's okay. And uh, welcome. You're too kind. Thank you, Bertie. Um, Sterling, uh, I'm so excited to get you on, and I'm sure our listeners will be. And when I spoke to Hark about your amazing success and your longevity in the industry, I think Hark was a little bit uh, taken aback that someone could... Uh, uh, sustain a business as long as you when what year do you remember what year you actually had a camera in your hand and started taking photographs well my journey bernie started way back in 1973 when i was in college and a friend who was an amateur photographer uh, introduced me to photography together we went to a local camera store and i got my first camera which was a, a film camera of course the pentex spotmatic 2 I had As, one. Uh, I had a Spotmatic. I had one. I had a Spotmatic, my first good camera. The, it, a fantastic camera. I, I could still do what I do now <laughs> if I had the Spotmatic in my hand. It was simple. It was mechanical. Yep. Yep. It was great. But, you know, as is always the case, I didn't even know what I didn't know. So I was pretty much self-taught uh, with knowledge of various seminars and, and books. And I started Sterling Portraits. Uh, actually, it was Sterling Photography back then in 1976. 45 years ago, and we changed the name in the 90s to Sterling Portraits. And uh, you sort of progressed, you bumbled along, I suppose, and I suppose you got into weddings like uh, every other photographer did, is that right? Uh, bumble, I did, that is actually the, the perfect word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I think back on those bygone years, you know, four decades ago, our, our first jobs were we're actually taking candidates of children in the park. And this is something that you'd get arrested for nowadays. <laughs> but I would literally go to the, to the park with my 200 millimeter uh, super Takamar lens screw mount on my, on, my little pot, on my little Pentex Spotmatic. And I would photograph children playing on the swings and walking with their parents. Parents would ask if they could see the photographs. And I would go home and go into the dark room and make contact sheets, remember contact sheets? Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, I would you meet up with them and, and show them my work. And back then, eight by tens were, are you ready for this, Bernie? $3. <laughs> and five by sevens were $1.50. Right. And our, <laughs> our first year in business, we did $3,000. Wow. Now you know, our least expensive portrait is $3,400 for a, a 20 inch or smaller frame canvas. And our starting commissions are 6,000 and we have a five figure sales average. So we've come a long ways. Yeah, well done. And, and you survived uh, whatever uh, the, uh, the world th uh, would have thrown at you, including <laughs> I suppose maybe a recession and uh, 
uh, and things like that, things that you don't have control over. I think switching to digital was probably the biggest kick in the butt. Uh, I, I fought that long and hard, right. realized that there was, there, was no, there was no sticking with film. And it was in 2005 that we finally went digital. In terms of uh, going over to digital, you, you just mentioned that you, your first job that when you started was just taking pictures of kids at the park. Were you doing all this on spec or was this something that uh, somebody told you to, okay, we're, we're going to be over here, go take some pictures. How did the job come about? Well, it was, it was totally on spec. Um, there was no social marketing, social media marketing. Uh, when we started the business, of course, we had a Yellow Pages ad. But uh, there was really no easy source with a person that didn't have two nickels to rub together to do any type of advertising. So it was totally speculation. I remember when I did my first wedding back in the 70s, I was working at a color lab called Colorfax, and a lady approached me and asked if I could do her wedding. And um, I didn't know what to charge, so I charged $100. So I did my first wedding for $100. I'd never been to a wedding. So I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I had never in my entire life been to a wedding. So it's kind of that fake it till you make it attitude. And uh, what's, what's funny is, you know, I was working with my Mamiya C330, which, uh, which syncs at all shutter speeds. And I didn't really know which shutter speed to pick. So I just picked 500, 500th of a second. So all my outdoor photographs with flash were um, looked like nighttime photographs. <laughs> and I delivered the proofs in a brown paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the bride happy with the photos? Oh, she was. She was delighted that she'd got something. Did you primarily shoot weddings uh, before that, and they just gave that up after digital came about, or did you not uh, sort of carry that over into the digital realm at all? We had our heyday with weddings. There was a time when we were probably doing as many as fifty a year, which is a lot of weddings. Um, but weddings are for young people, and I'm sixty-seven now. And we actually don't do weddings at all. We, what we started doing when we transitioned out was we kept raising our prices. Um, you know, we were at around 5,000, then we went to 10,000, then we went to 20,000. And they started dying off as one would expect. But, uh, you know, with a wedding, you don't really recover from it till about Wednesday. So I decided that portraiture was really a better way to go. More bang for the buck and uh, a whole lot easier on the body. And I'm, I'm just looking at your website. You got some beautiful full work, uh, and I see it's primarily outdoors. Uh, are you shooting in studio uh, as well as outdoors, or just primarily outdoors? Within the last year, we revisited having a studio in our residential gallery. Um, but for the last probably thirty-five years, it's been exclusively on location. Uh, we love the variety of being in different clients' homes. Our clients are mostly fairly affluent. And so we have a lot to work with. So we like doing portraits on location more so than in the, in the studio, but realizing that I'm getting older and probably will be slowing down. We want to try to build up the studio business um, from this point on. I primarily shoot in the studio and I, I used to shoot outdoors. I also do a lot of corporate work and uh, as much as I love shooting outdoors, one of the things that in, in the family uh, portraiture genre, when you're shooting outdoors, you run into so many different things, so many different variables. Tell us some of the things that you've gone through and uh, any sort of funny stories uh, that you can share with our listeners uh, from, from your one of your outdoor adventures. 
Well, absolutely. There's uh, there's a lot of variables with outdoors. You've got the weather, you've got the wind, you've got the sun, sun and the rain. Uh, you know, there's I've got so many stories over my career. Some of them have been wedding related. Some of them have been portrait related. Uh, what comes to mind first is um, a wedding a wedding story to tell you where we used to do the portraits about three hours before the ceremony started. And we were at this particular church and we had made arrangements for the church to be open. And indeed it had been open by the janitor. So we were all there, but it wasn't open. And it turns out that the pastor had stopped by the church on his way to a funeral and realized that the church was locked, uh, was, was unlocked. And so he locked it back up again. So this was the middle of summer, it was uh, August, it was like 95 degrees. And so we literally broke a window and we went into the church so we could see the portraits. <laughs> break Another into the crazy, church. we broke into the church. Another crazy story was uh, an out of town uh, groomsman was in charge of bringing the bridesmaids dresses to the church. And he forgot the name of the church and the directions to the church. He's driving around town with all the gowns and it got so late that the bridesmaids ended up wearing choir robes at the, at the church you know, during, during the wedding instead of, uh, instead of their gowns. And we've had cakes collapse and you know, there's just so many crazy stories. Yeah, and uh, that is the uh, adventure and uh, excitement of, of doing a wedding. So we can uh, both, uh, Sterling, sit back and uh, certainly pay homage to all the wedding photographers out there that may be listening because we know what it's like, right? It's, it's truly an experience, <laughs> one that I'm going to leave to the younger people. Luckily for me, I only, I only ever had to do maybe five or six weddings. So. <laughs> Well, you haven't served your apprenticeship, Hawk. You have to do a wedding before you can do anything, uh, because that's uh, that's how you, how you how you learn. So, your business, Sterling. I notice also that uh, you call yourself. Uh, I'm interested in, in the word Sterling Hoffman. I think it's a great name. You should be a movie star. Where's the name, Sterling? Great name. I want to be called Sterling in my next life. Uh, well, what's interesting is I used to actually hate my name because there were no other Sterlings around when I was growing up. Everybody was a, a Joe or a John or a Steve or a Mike. And so I didn't really like my name. But then I, I realized that its uniqueness worked well for having a business. And the definition of the word Sterling also fit, fit our brand. So I have my mom to thank, thank for that, for, uh, for naming me Sterling. Yeah, and the Hoffman is is what? What nationality would that uh, derive from? Uh, Dutch? Originally, it was Dutch. Yeah, but that's going back a long, long way. Yeah, a, a long, long way. Okay, so um, when you were uh, sort of taking photographs, you're going through this business process. A lot of photographers, what they love about the photography, and uh, with myself also, it enabled me to travel a lot around the world and go to great places. What were your travel experiences with having a camera in your hand? We've had many because we offer the world as our studio. So for the clients who, who choose to invest at the level that we charge for, for destination portraits, we, uh, we, we will go. We will go anywhere, literally anywhere in the world. Some of the more memorable ones are, we had a family portrait that we did in Cancun. 
Uh, we did some honeymoon photography in Bermuda and uh, some of the barrier islands on the east coast of America, uh, South Carolina, there's an island called Kiowa Island, which is very, very posh and beautiful. So we, we get around, have, have camera, we'll travel. Nowadays, uh, with your family sessions and uh, very structured shooting that you do right now, how do you sort of balance your family uh, as well as work life? Uh, is there a bit of a challenge? Because a lot of us, at least for me, I find it a bit of a challenge in trying to juggle that doing uh, sessions during the, the week or on the weekends. How do, you, how do you juggle that? Well, we no longer juggle them because we set our parameters and our rules. We only work during the week. We work Monday through Friday. 10 to four, we will make exceptions for clients if they beg us to see them in the evenings, but um, we realize the value of family life and the value of having downtime. Um, when we were doing weddings, of course, they're always on the weekends and bar mitzvahs as well. And um, it just gets really rough to work all the time and be at their beck and call. We had a client once, she was a nurse and she got off at 11 o'clock at night and she actually asked, could I see her after she got off of work? I mean, like, and I said, like, like midnight? She goes, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I said, no. <laughs> so we, we have our rules and we, we make sure the clients understand that uh, before we get too engaged with them. And is this something that you started later in your career? Or did you actually also struggle just like any other uh, young photographer starting out in their early career? How, how do you sort of establish those rules when you know that you've made it, that you can call your own shots? As far as setting the schedule, this is something we learned from Charles Lewis, who was uh, one of my mentors in the, in the early years. So we've been pretty good about setting aside private time. Um, I know there's a lot of photographers that will just, literally be at the client's beck and call whenever whenever they want you you're there but um, you know there's more to life than making money and we just feel that we have to divide what limited amount of time we have in a week into play time and work time absolutely agree with that because I, I think once you establish those rules yourself your clients are also more inclined to respect those rules and respect the, uh, the boundaries that you set so uh, it's great. Um, Bernie, do uh, you want to talk to Sterling about uh, some of the uh, other adventures uh, in shooting any celebrities or uh, yeah, anything else you've done? Yeah, before I do that, I just want to uh, talk to Sterling about, uh, we, we met sort of by accident uh, over a year ago down in Nashville at the PP of A. Uh, I was sitting yes. in the cafe there with a couple of photographers I knew and there's this strange guy walking around with a beret and a <laughs> and a digital uh, gray digital Hasselblad in his hand. And I thought, why, I, I asked myself the question, why the hell is he carrying that camera around? And then I thought, yeah, if I had one, I would too. I'd actually wear it like a necklace around my neck. And it happened to be Sterling. I didn't know that then, but I did uh, ask him if I could borrow the camera. I took a photograph with it. And uh, I've used that a lot on social media to, uh, you know, to fake it till I make it. Tell us about that camera. Tell us what it's worth. I'm guesstimating about 100,000. Am I right or wrong? And it's a 100 watt <laughs> megapixel or something crazy. And tell me about well, it. First, first of all, Bernie, I, I'm looking for that royalty check for you walking around with my camera. Ah. You're making yourself famous. So, yeah, that's we right. To, so, we need to talk after this interview about that. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, yeah. the Hasselblad is, is one of many, many cameras that I've had over my career. And uh, I love it. I love my Hasselblad. Um, I have the H5D. They now have an H60. They run about $33,000 for the body. Lenses run about, oh, four to four to $6,000. Um, the one I have is 50 megapixels. Uh, the new one is, is available as 100 megapixels. It's, it's a great camera. It's, uh, it's different. It's statusy. Um, I will say it takes great photographs because the camera is just a tool. I can hand it to someone who doesn't know how to use it and they can't take great photographs at all. Uh, I can take great photographs with my Spotmatic too. <laughs> but uh, but it, it's a fun camera and uh, the Carl Zeiss lenses are, are super sharp and, and I love it. The, um, I think it's important um, because now as we go to mirrorless cameras and they get smaller, smaller, uh, the, the photographer, it, it's a bit hard to stand out when we used to have a great big camera in our hand. And I used to have a, a telephoto lens on my Hasselblad, which was, you know, I could hardly lift it. But gee, it was impressive. And uh, a mate of mine who did a lot of weddings, he had two gold Hasselblads, which were really impressive. One with the red leather and one with the blue leather, as well as nice. the, the gold trim. So he wanted to make sure that he stood out from not only the guests, because a lot of guests often have cameras uh, sometimes better than the photographer. Uh, I think if you wander around with a digital Hasselblad, no one else is going to have one in the room, I'm guessing. Well, you, you are right about that. I remember back in the wedding days when I was uh, photographing a wedding with my Mamiya 645. Uh, another one of my camera systems of bygone years. Yeah. And I saw some of the guests actually with Mamiya 645s. Yeah. And so that it shocked me a little bit because yes, your tools do differentiate you in some fashion from, you know, what uncle Joe has at the wedding. Yeah. So that's important. Just tell us about, before we go into some more stories about your mentors, you've, you, you've had a lot of mentors throughout the years. Tell us a little bit about some of them. And how they influenced you? Well, you know, the list is long. Um, as I said, I'm self-taught, but the knowledge that I gained was from going to seminars. Education is king. Uh, I mentioned Charles Lewis, who's from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he taught me a lot about sales. Uh, Monty Zucker, who happens to be from my hometown of Silver Spring, posing, lighting, weddings, bar mitzvahs, and his mentor who lived to 100 was Joe Zeltzman. And uh, once again, posing and lighting. The Canadians have you know, a whole lot of really fantastic photographers. There was a guy named Tibor Horvath and of course, Joseph Karsh, who had iconic portraiture and Al Gilbert also. Uh, he taught me how you can create amazing portraits using very wide angle lenses. And uh, Hanson Fong, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Bill through the misty eyes of the bride Stockwell, who was a famous uh, wedding photographer. Uh, Leon Kenimer taught me about subtractive lighting, how to create light by using black panels and panels over the top of the subject and to the side to create light when there isn't directional light. Um, and the list goes on, Frank Criccio, uh, probably the, the, the best lighting expert ever. He has over a thousand PPA merits. 
a thousand wow. PPA merits. Uh, Dean Collins, who's passed yeah. on, he was a consummate light expert. And uh, my current mentor is uh, live and well in Chattanooga. His name is Brad Kanzler. And uh, I study with him. He's taught me so much. Thriving business down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So there's a lot. The list is long. Yeah, and a, lo a lot of those uh, I remember because they did come over to Australia and uh, brought over by a guy called Max Townsend, who used to run uh, Townsend Color Labs. And yes. uh, one of my favorites was uh, David Zeiser. I, I, oh, I, yes, I David Zeiser. David How could Zeiser. I leave him off the list? Yes. And he's, he's written uh, many books on lighting. And uh, Jack Curtis, uh, who was, uh, you know, weddings, small weddings. And Dean Collins uh, came <laughs> over and I was, uh, it was at the Sydney Opera House uh, where we put the seminar on for the local Australian Institute of Professional Photography. So I remember him. Um, so those are all great mentors. Um, who are the mentors nowadays, Sterling? Who, who's, who would you send people to uh, that were starting off in photography? Who would you say, you've got to talk to this guy? That's besides you and me, of course. Well, of course, naturally. Uh, well, I mentioned Brad Kanzler. I think another, another great is Megan DiPiero. Uh, she has a humongous following. Um, gosh. My mind's going blank right now, but uh, there's there's quite a few of them. So maybe you you like me, you think, well, you know, there aren't those educators that we used to have, the the real stars of of, of the photography world, and, and you listed a lot of them there, and they were they were fantastic educators, weren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. I owe a lot of our success to uh, to what they shared. Yeah. So tell us something about all these uh, stories that uh, may have happened uh, as well. Uh, give, give us more stories that happened because oh, it's, a nat it's a natural thing. We photographers carrying a camera around. Uh, it's embarrassing sometimes, funny, stressful, and so on. Well, I've got a couple of failed moments and people love to hear about failures. I mean, isn't that why we watch soap operas? You know, we want to, <laughs> we love to relish in uh, people's failures. I remember once I did a headshot of this lady um, and I didn't realize that I had a cross star filter on the front of my lens and I was photographing <laughs> with flash. And this was in film days, so you don't see the results for four or five days. So the, the, the proofs come back and in her eyes, instead of normal catch lights, there were these <laughs> humongous four point stars. Um, that was a learning experience for sure. Ken Whitmire, the late Ken Whitmire, uh, annually held for 45 years um, a, a conference, a wall portrait conference in Yakima, Washington. And part of that conference was actually doing um, photography on site where he would, uh, he would bring in someone on their motorcycle or whatever. So we were doing this photograph, this photograph scene where everybody had their camera and my, my brand new Canon 1DX fell off the tripod without the lens on it and rolled down the hill about 40 feet, <laughs> bouncing higher and higher with each tumble. It was going end over end. Everyone in the class saw this. And I went down and I picked it up and blew off the dust, put my lens back on it and kept shooting. Wow. <laughs> when I got back, I just replaced the, the casing. Um, got another failed moment. 
the only time in my career that I've actually had four jobs within a 24 hour period. And lo and behold, I had a malfunction with my Bronica where the film overlapped and I didn't know that it overlapped. And so one image was mostly covered by the next image. It was a spacing problem. And so needless to say, those four phone calls were extremely difficult. Um, two other stories come to mind. One is uh, we do this, this thing is called behind the scenes photography where we have a second photographer who captures candidly photojournalistically uh, images while I'm doing this, the more posed portraits. And to provide the light for that, we had hot lights. We had these low thousand watt lights and we put them on the light stand to light up the room to provide enough ambient light for her to hand hold the camera. Well, we had it a little too close to the ceiling and we looked up, um, the, the, the paint was burning and the ceiling was scorched. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was another <laughs> failed moment. <laughs> and, and then there was the time that we charged the house with smoke. Uh, it was a winter scene and we had bought those little Dewar logs to put in the fireplace. And uh, somehow um, the damper wasn't open. And the next thing we know is the house is full of, of smoke. This was at a time when we were volunteers at the rescue squad in their first due area and they came to the scene. So needless to say, that was very embarrassing. <laughs> well, see, see, you've got a lot of uh, failure stories and uh, you're still here <laughs> after all these years. So there's gotta be some success stories. So let's, let's, let's tell us some of your biggest successes as well, right after the failures. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I guess our biggest success probably has, uh, uh, we have one particular client who um, has done portraits with us on two occasions, and her first order was sixty-five thousand. Her second order was one hundred and fifteen thousand, uh, and it was uh, just an amazing destination portrait session. And she has a deposit with us of forty thousand for her next session. So she is, uh, you know, she's approaching a quarter of a million dollar client. Well, so, that's great. Um, yeah, it's really fun. It's great. Have you ever met a, a very difficult uh, client uh, that you thought, I would really would rather not be doing this, but I absolutely have to do it. So have any other uh, stories that you can uh, think of? Some very difficult clients? I wouldn't say we've had a lot of difficult clients because our, our vetting process is pretty extensive. There's an initial phone call and then there's a two-hour design consult. So we can kind of get a good idea as to whether we can work together and whether we're on the same page. And they often, if, if we aren't, there's usually a self-exclusionary process where you know, we know that we're not a good fit. Um, I've, being in the DC area, I've obviously photographed some famous people. Um, you know, there's a lot of congressmen and senators that reside in the DC area, some pro athletes and you know, top, top-tier physicians, attorneys, industry CEOs, a lot of movers and shakers. But then again, a lot of our clients are just people who are famous in their own heads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll take that. So, uh, Hawk, shall we uh, get into those uh, 10 questions and uh, see if Sterling, maybe you can introduce that to, to Sterling just to uh, bump things up a little bit? Yeah, this is it. This is we're coming towards uh, sort of like half an hour time frame. Uh, Sterling, I'm not sure if Bernie warned you on this. We have a rapid fire uh, questions coming from Bernie and uh, they're all one word 
answers. And if you do them all right, <laughs> do them yes. all right, there's a prize waiting for you at the end. So I'll let Bernie explain the prize, but Bernie, uh, let's see if, uh, <laughs> if we can get our first guest. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the, <laughs> the, the prize, Sterling, um, is that um, when we can all fly again, hopefully we're looking at the end of this year. Uh, we're planning to have a, a retreat uh, in Texas with my clients. And uh, it means that you will be invited there and your airfare paid for by Hark to attend. And make... <laughs> <laughs> There's a and lot of writing on this. <laughs> and, 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 attend, <laughs> and attend our photographer's retreat and you, you'll be our special guest. You'll be picked up from the airport with a limo taken to the accommodation and it'll all be paid for by Hark. But the only thing is that these are one word answers. So they're quick fire uh, just to finish things off. Uh, and if you can answer them all in, in one word, then you get the prize. Okay. Sure. Let's no, go for no, it. no pressure at all. All right. No, no, it's, except, no it's except on mine. <laughs> it's all the pressures on me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so uh, favorite alcoholic drink? Kahlua. Favorite city in the world? San Diego. What uh, sport do you play? Tennis. If you could have dinner one on one with any person in the world, living or dead, who would it be? Barack Obama. Favorite movie? To Kill a Mockingbird. Favorite camera that you've ever owned? RZ67, Mamiya. Would you like to relive your life, yes or no? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite food? Sushi. Uh, who would you like to be if you weren't you? <laughs> Who would I like to be if I, ah, geez, um, mm, let's go with President Obama again. Okay. If you hadn't been a photographer, what would profession would you like to be in? A physician, which is what my training would have, was in. And what's your motivation to get out of bed, out of bed every morning? Oh, I love what I do. I love my work. Okay. So, of course, you blew the prize, well and truly. Of course. <laughs> I would have hoped that the answer to the last question, motivation to get out of bed every morning, the answer would have been Linda. She's in bed. bed. <laughs> Why do I need to leave? <laughs> good point. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. She's the reason to stay in bed, right? That's right. To get out yeah all right well that, that's, that's great amazing. sterling thanks for coming i'll i'll just pass back to hawk and uh we really appreciate your time uh, just pass you on to hawk just to, to to close the uh episode out my pleasure bernie it was great thank fun you. thank you for all of our listeners uh where can they see most of your work and where would you direct our viewers to see uh, more of your work and uh follow you along well, first of all, there's our website, which is sterlingportraits.com. And we have a Facebook presence, which is facebook.com forward slash sterlingportraits. 
we are just starting up with Instagram. So I you know, hesitate to direct you there because it's, it's a little bit on the inactive side and, and new. And we also have a business discussion group, which you can, which you can search for. The name of it is Sterling and Linda's Portrait Business Discussion Group. And it's only for active photographers. They can be part-time or full-time. It's full of some heavy hitters, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of friendships, a lot of knowledge shared. And uh, we would welcome you to, to check us out there as well. Thank you very much, um, Sterling. Again, I, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And uh, hopefully uh, our listeners have got a great uh, entertainment from some of your stories that you've shared with us. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you so much. Thank Take you. care, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye for now.